I'm health coach Heather, and you are listening to episode 90, Food Allergy Chef to the Rescue. Welcome to the Healthy Families Rule podcast. This podcast is a resource for families who are on a path to optimal wellness, but still aren't able to reach their physical and mental goals. I'm Heather Mitchell, and with over nine years experience in nutrition and exercise and a certified master health coach, I'm uniquely qualified to help you and your family achieve optimal health. So for the next few minutes, set aside your concerns and learn how you can self-repair your body and mind and experience greater joy in your life. Please note that the info provided in the show is intended to educate and elevate, but is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your medical provider. I am really excited about this week's podcast episode because this is a topic I haven't yet had the chance to touch on. This is um, an interview I did with Kathleen. She is the allergy chef. She's based out of San Francisco Bay Area, and she has like the best resources and tools for families who have children or other family members with food allergies or any intolerances at all. So you're going to love this episode. You're going to love what she's saying. And we're going to make this so simple and easy for you families that have issues with, with sensitivities or allergies when it comes to eating certain foods. So sit back, enjoy the podcast today and give us your feedback. Welcome to the Healthy Families Row podcast. Health Coach Heather here. I'm your host, and I am here with a very special guest, Kathleen. She is the allergy chef, and she's amazing. She is in San Francisco area. They have a company, Free and Friendly Foods. So this episode is going to be all about food allergies, food intoler- intolerances for all ages. So welcome to the show, Kathleen. How are you today? I'm so great, and I'm so happy to be here, Heather. Thank you for having me. Okay. You are awesome. I've checked out your website already. You say you've got this great search engine too. So what we were talking about before the show is is something I think all my listeners should know about is we've got different members of families that have different needs when it comes to nutrition and diet, dietary restrictions and sensitivities and things like that. One family member might be allergic to dairy. Another family member, it's gluten. How can you as the chef really help them find you and get the help that they need? Okay. So we have this cool platform called RAISE and it's R-A-I-S-E. It stands for Restricted Diet, Food Intolerance, Food Allergy, Special Diets such as Paleo Gaps, uh, Vegan, Low Histamine, etc. And E is for EOE. And the idea is that we have looked at the needs of all these different groups, all these different people, and we've created this very special place for them to gather and essentially like where everyone was falling through the cracks, we were like, no, let's let's just seal up all these cracks. And so we created what's called the advanced recipe search. It has more than 85 filters where you can plug in major allergens, less common allergens, entire food families, special diets. And then there are a few special filters, like if you just want breakfast or if you just want pizza or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and it gives you everything in one go. So if, you know, mom and dad are gluten and dairy, and then kid number one is tree nut free and kid number two is tomato free. Kid number three is cinnamon and yeast free. Like let's just throw out the weirdest combinations possible. Mm-hmm. It's all there in one go. So you go to the search engine, you check all these boxes 
And then all the results meet all the needs in one go. And so it creates this really cool way for parents to feed their families safely without being a short order cook. Because, you know, for us, one of the reasons we even made all the things we made is because when we were going through it all, the resources just didn't exist, right? And so here I am short order cooking for not just food allergies, but little kids, right? We all know how little kids can be like, I don't like it. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. So it's like you're trying to make sure that everyone gets fed and fed well. And um, it can be exhausting. Like, oh my goodness. Like, wow. You know, if I had a nickel for every hour of sleep I lost when the kids were little, my goodness. I mean, like we'd have a yacht and um, <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we'd just be We'd be vacationing right now. Yes. Like it would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And so this is just one way that we can really just, you know, come alongside parents and say, okay, let us do all the hard work for you. You just follow the directions. That's it. I like to tell people, we just give you the happily ever after. You don't have to experiment. Mm -hmm. You don't have to think about it. You just go in, click a few times and boom, like you're just set. Make this recipe. It's yeah, basically exactly. like that, right? Yeah, Here exactly. it is. Stop searching. Here it is. Yeah. I know there was a company called Real Plants that I ha- I was involved with um, for a little bit. And you would type in kind of your restrictions, but yours sounds like it's very detailed, you know? So would a family go and get blood tested? How would they know exactly that they had allergies or sensitivities for sure? So it's important to say upfront, testing can be inaccurate up to 60% of the time. Like it's kind of hit and miss. And the younger a child is, the more likely you are to have false positives, false negatives, et cetera. Um, And then, of course, we have to deal with the fact that no two people are the same. You have some conditions where you don't present as what we like to call quick and obvious reactions. You know, anaphylaxis, that's easy. Like, I mean, it's hard, but it's easy in the sense of you eat the food, you have the reaction, you know right away this is a problem. For everyone else, that's really where the question comes in. How do we figure this all out? So you have blood testing, you have skin testing. Those are the two um, most widely used ways of doing things. However, at the end of the day, if food doesn't make you feel good, stop eating it, right? (laughs) I don't care what the results on your testing says. That easy, guys. If (laughs) if you're eating you know, a pound of cheese every day and every day you feel like trash and you take out this pound of cheese and suddenly you feel great. I don't care what the test said. Don't eat the cheese, right? Mm -hmm. That's really what it's coming down to. And so we um, really push for food journaling. It's a big deal. Yes. Uh, We always tell parents, you know, especially if you have a small child where skin reactions are involved, take photos so that you can compare, you know, what happens when this happens or what happens when that happens. You know, we don't encourage people to necessarily experiment on kids. And so then they're like, well, what constitutes experimenting? We like to say that giving your child a known allergen without their fully informed consent constitutes as experimenting because we don't want this done to us, right? I don't want someone to experiment on me. I want them to do it with me. I want to be able to say, you know what? I know what that reaction feels like. I don't want to test this out. I don't feel like it. Or be able to say, you know, let's see if it's a go or not, you know? And so that's part of the mindset that you sort of have to get into. People sort of forget, like kids have feelings too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of parents without food allergies thank me a lot because they're like, I would have never thought of this. And I'm like, yeah, let me tell you firsthand. It sucks. When you're going through those reactions, it's not pleasant. And so, you know, there's some doctors who are like, no, 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 we should you know, feed this to the kid, feed this to the kid, even though the parent knows they've had a reaction in the past. It's like, hold on, do we really need to do that? Like right. there are literally hundreds of other ingredients your kid could eat. Do we really need to focus on this one? 
or can we just take a step back to till your kid is old enough to consent? Right. And so that's, yeah. that's part of the, the mindset, but going back to how do you figure it all out? Your food journal is going to be the king. If you don't have quick and obvious reactions um, for some people, it gets down to, you have to eliminate a lot and reintroduce foods one at a time. For some people where intolerance is concerned, it comes down to a four day food rotation. You know, getting to neutral has to be part of your plan because foods can take in some people up to 28 days to be completely eliminated from your system, which means you might still be reacting to what you had on day six, thinking it's what you just introduced on day nine, but that's not true. And so you have to get to neutral, zero reactions. You feel great. Nothing's wrong at all. And then go from there. And of course, people wonder, well, what do symptoms look like? Well, unfortunately, number one, no two people are the same. This isn't like a heart attack where we pretty much know what a heart attack looks like in pretty much everyone, right? The thing is, is anaphylaxis, we know what that looks like. You need an EpiPen. Usually you can't breathe. Multiple systems are involved. It's not pretty. But for everyone else, like for me personally, I was undiagnosed for over 20 years because I presented as a very non-traditional case. One of my reactions is... Um, unexplainable extreme weight gain. At one point I was over 450 pounds, right? Mm. No one was drawing the connection and saying, Hey, these foods are making you sick. You know, yeah. um, I was on a trip and I was, I basically had like a mild seizure for hours on end. And, you know, when I went for treatment, they were like, what happened? And I'm like, I ate the food and this started not a single specialist ever said, let's do a food allergy test. They huh. all tested everything else. They were like, let's do brain scans. Let's do heart scans. Right. Let's do scan. Let's do that. Like they came up with everything else under the sun. And then after weeks of testing, they were like, we can't figure out what's wrong with you. <laughs> and of course, hindsight being 2020, I'm like, goodness, the medical industry needs like a huge overhaul. And <laughs> they do. People, like, yeah. wow, I can't even. Right. Yeah. So that's why I'm always telling people like, there are so many ways that reactions can present, which is why neutral has to be the key. And anything not neutral, just assume that it's a problem and write it down. Keep your journal, right? Mm. Um, personally, I have more than 200 responses to food. 200, mm. all non-traditional. Some yeah. are anaphylaxis, some are not. And so I, I recognize I am the exception, not the rule. Most people, most kids, most adults, they're going to fall within a generalized pattern, right? Mm. Um, but you're always going to have the outliers always. And so food allergy, food intolerance, restrictive diet, it's, it's honestly going to be the wild, wild west for the foreseeable future. Because like I said, we're not a heart attack, right? We are not a well-established medical definition with a clear path, clear symptoms, clear everything. We are not that we're all over the globe. We are every gender. We are every age group. We are every race, every ethnicity, we're everything, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not responding the same. You and I could have the exact same diagnosis. Like we are both uh, celiac disease and both allergic to tree nuts. And we can both eat the same exact food and have completely different responses. Mm. That's the crazy part about food allergy. You yeah. know, it's not like that when we think about like certain poisons, right? We know that if you have poison A, you have response B. That's just what it is for you and I, these foods are essentially poison, but our response is totally different. And so testing has to be seen as a really great guide. It is not the end all be all. If you don't have quick and obvious reactions, mm -hmm. uh, I like to see it as if you get a series of results, right? Assume the results are true. Eliminate all the foods that according to your test results, you should be eliminating and see if you hit neutral. If you hit neutral, great. Go about your life, 
keep those foods out. If you want to go about, you know, food challenging one at a time, if you have the energy and patience for that, do it. If not, don't worry about it. There's so many ingredients to use. If you have a child involved and let's say the child is under the age of 10, same thing, assume everything is true. If that kid reaches neutral, do not experiment on them until they can provide fully informed consent. You know, hey, when you were six, we had you tested. These are the test results. Tell them the science, tell them what it means, tell them what food reactions look like and let them make an educated, informed decision when they are old enough to grasp Mm -hmm. what it means. Like, this is what could happen. You know, and one of the things we tell people is like, here's the thing. If the child is not old enough or if they're a nonverbal person to really communicate with you, what's the point? You know, if they are experiencing headaches for three days on end when they have a certain food, but their outward expression of that headache is a fussy behavior, bad attitude, you know, excessive sleep, things that you're not thinking, oh, it's because I fed them this food, right? Mm -hmm. If they are having these responses and expressing it in a certain way, but they're not able to actually say to you, hey, that food, it's giving me a headache for three days. If they can't say that, they're not helping in the diagnosis process, which means what was the point? All you're really doing is subjecting another human to suffering, you know, for three days on end. And so that's where that whole mindset of informed consent and, you know, testing and food journaling, all of that, it kind of plays together because like I said, I would want it done with me, not to me. And I think most people yeah. agree. Well, what do you say to, this is all great, but I, I see a lot of Americans, especially who say, well, I can deal with the headaches or the gas or the bloating. I still want to eat that food. Like, I just love that food so much. And my child won't give up this food. They really love it. I know it's causing them harm in certain areas of their life. I mean, what do we do as parents if our child won't eat clean and healthy and eat according to like a good protocol that is good for them? So there's a couple of things to think about. I mean, number one, if the child is old enough to make the decision, let's say that let's let's say we're dealing with a 12 year old for all kinds and purposes, like 12 is a good solid age. They understand cause and effect and all that fun stuff. Yes. And they're also old enough to go out on their own with their friends with money in the back pocket and do whatever they want. So they're they're at that age. Right. Yeah. Um, First and foremost, you're looking at fully informed consent, right? They are consenting to harming themselves and we don't like it as parents. And so our job is to guide and help reshape and remold. The next thing to keep in mind is um, you're the parent. You set the rules, right? If you know that they're doing these things and you're trying it the nice way and it's not working, you're either A, gonna have to be a chaperone and just put your foot down or B, um, remove the ability to make the purchase, right? You're going to have to make some hard choices as a parent. Mm. The is all about education. I mean, the thing is, is most people overlook the domino effect, right? If we, let's say the effect is, I don't know, joint pain, right? In this kid, for whatever reason, joint pain prolonged for years on end is going to lead your kid down a path where they are either going to need like some crazy operation or a lifelong, you know, medical protocol with intense medications with a whole host of side effects and all these other things. And it's all preventable. And teaching this to our children is so important. Helping them understand the value of their health, helping them understand um, the domino effect of it all. But then we come to the fourth part in all of this. It's making things that taste freaking awesome. Notice I said freaking. Like, yeah, we want freaking awesome foods. We right? do. Yes. And we want that dopamine hit. We got to have yes, something exactly. to replace that. You know, here's the thing. 
about clean eating. So many people associate clean eating with like zero sugars, including dried fruits, like zero fun, zero everything. And I'm like, right. hold on, hold on. Yeah, so yeah. why can't we have date candy? Tell me the reasoning behind that. Like, why right. can't we have better for you ingredients? Because sorghum flour and millet flour and, you know, whole grain brown rice flour. Yeah, they're still flowers, but they're all better for you grains and they're whole grains. So why can't we use those? Why can't we teach kids that safe food can be so incredibly delicious? Like yeah. out of this world delicious, right? I think that's really the downfall. If you're not giving your kid incredibly delicious foods that are also safe for them, that's your first big mistake. Because of course they're going to want something else. They're been, they've been restricted, right? If your kid loves potato chips and then you find out they're allergic to potatoes, you better find every potato alternative to try. Turnip chips, radish chips, sweet potato chips. You know, they make chicken chips now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wild brand makes chicken Wild, chips. yes. Yeah, chicken chips, rice chips. You make every bloody chip under the sun until your child says, oh my goodness, this is so good. Can we make more? Well, then we got to talk about portion control because I'll eat that whole entire $6 bag of chips within three minutes and it's gone, right? <laughs> Try $8 in the Bay Area. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just had this conversation with my son. I'm like, I just went to Whole Foods. I bought you all these awesome chips and they didn't last two days. Now they're gone. Now I got to teach a lesson to my kids on, okay, portion control things, pull it out of the bag, put it in a little bowl, you know, here's how many calories and nutrition is in this. And I I just want to teach them without shaming them either. You know, like we don't overeat all all the time, but you also want to learn the fine line of teaching nutrition and health versus, Hey dude, you're getting a little pudgy. We got to fix something here. You know, you don't, you can't say that. Right. But you've got to know how as a parent to address nutrition and health with kids. Yeah. It's, it's a really fine line because I struggle with the same thing with our kids, right? Yeah. And the chips is five seventy nine or eight ninety nine or whatever. Yes. Um, you know, and I've, I've dealt with it in a few different ways, depending on the child as well. You know, one of our kids loves math, numbers, and money. Like he just, he loves the game of numbers. And, um, I put it to him that way. I'm like, okay, you have a $20 free for all budget. You can spend 20 bucks and buy whatever you want, but that's all you're going to get. Like everything else I'm picking, but you can pick these $20 and, and that child can go through the store and pick the $20 worth of stuff. That way they're in control of what treats or what, you know, extra stuff they get. Yeah. Um, And then they also know the timeline though. Like that's part of the thing about restrictions with kids. When you restrict kids and they don't know when the next treat is coming, that's actually when the problem starts. So if you just tell them upfront, Hey, listen, it's Monday. We're not going to the store again until Sunday. So whatever you pick out with that $20, I don't care if you eat it all today when we get home or if you space it out. Totally your choice. Yes, I just did but, this. Um, yes, so good. We don't get more until Sunday. Yeah. When they know that, they get to be in control and they get to say, oh, okay, I get it now. Like I have this bag of chips and it needs to last me until Sunday. So I think what I'll do is just pick out on Wednesday. That way it's like the in-between day, right? Or yeah. I'll do half on Tuesday, half on Saturday, right? Like they get to choose And, you know, in some cases, when you give them the budget and the timeline, they then take their money and they'll break it up into smaller portions. So instead of buying a huge bag of chips, they might buy the little ones, right? They'll buy Mm -hmm. like a little bag of chips, a little bag of cookies, a single portion cookie so that they literally get seven treats and then they're getting a treat every day and they spent the same $20. And you and I both know that, okay, yeah, they technically spent more because, you know, when you buy the smaller bag, you pay more, but who cares, right? Yeah. They've learned the lesson. They learned the lesson. They had their budget. They had their time. They had the control. 
they, they figured it out. And that's, I think that's really what it's going to come down to um, mm, in the case so golden. of portions and how do we help them? Because here's the thing. If you find that your kid is packing on the pounds, reduce their budget a little bit. You don't have to make a big deal about it and be like, oh my goodness, this is a problem. Just be like, all right, buddy. So this week we're only doing $10. You can still have all the control. It's still till Sunday, but this week our budget's only $10. And now you've just eliminated half the problem, literally, Mm -hmm. right? And they can still, you know, be in control. And now they are naturally giving themselves smaller portions because if with that $10, they buy two pints of ice cream instead of four pints of ice cream, um, now they are portioning out their two pints of ice cream to last longer. And Mm -hmm. so we're teaching them the lesson without beating them over the head with it. Yeah. And I love that. I love, this is so, so good. So good. Um, what I would also say is you as the parent, you you can put some restrictions around it as far as, Hey, I made you this beautiful snack board. It has all these fruits and veggies. When this is gone, you can go get your snack out or your treat or whatever, or here's a glass of water, we'll drink this. And then you can go yeah. get that right. We want to help our kids feel full, but also to be nourished the right way too, before they, they go and grab that. That's what I, I like to do anyway. So. No, I think it's good. You know, and the thing is, is like, you know, there's, there's a lot of different schools of thought, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of them being, as the parent, we're in charge of what food comes into the house and the kids are in charge of what they actually eat, you know, and or we're in charge of when meal times are and they're in charge, you know, that division of responsibility, you know, one way or another, it comes into play. So it's like, you're either going to use, you know, parenting tools A or parenting tools B or parenting C or whatever, but division of responsibility really is what it comes down to. Because if we're not teaching them these tools one way or the other, when they're older, they're going to run wild. They're just going to walk through a grocery store and be like, oh my goodness, it's everything I never got to have. I'm buying it all. Mm, Right. Yeah. You're going to see your kid off to college and you'll see them, you know, three weeks later and they'll have already put on the first 20 pounds. And you're going to be like, what happened? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to be like, check out my dorm stash. Right. And right. they're going to be like, where did I go wrong? It's yeah. because we never gave them the responsibility. And once they got the responsibility, they couldn't manage it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. So is there a way, let me ask you this question, because I see a lot of my clients even can heal their gut with a GAPS diet if yeah. they're on that for a pretty long time. And then they find when they bring back certain foods, they're not as sensitive to it, or sometimes it's gone. What can you say to that? Like can specific diets like the gaps really help someone heal their gut and overcome some sensitivities that they might have? Absolutely. Depending on what got you into the boat the first time. So that's really the key. If you are born, like we're talking hard-coded DNA food allergy, the only real path out is outgrowing the food allergy, which happens in some people. There is some credibility to the seven-year switch where there's like scientific research into how the body essentially changes about every seven years. And so for some people, um, when that cycle occurs, they do have some changes. Um, In some women, pregnancy changes their food allergy and intolerance status, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. You never know which side you're going to land on. So there's that boat, right? Mm -hmm. Then we have the boat of I've um, been traumatized by medicine or environment and it broke down my body's natural abilities. Yes. Yes. Or whatever in those people. Yes. Healing is absolutely on the table Um, for people who had an undiagnosed condition for years on end and that broke down the body's ability or maybe they developed leaky gut, et cetera. 
healing is absolutely on the table. So it really just depends on what got you into the boat. And that determines what your reasonable pathways out are going to be. Um, you know, if you're dealing with mold toxicity in your home, et cetera, you know, root cause healing, that's where you have to start first and foremost. If you're being damaged by your environment, you're not going to fix your gut overnight. Like mm-hmm. if you, even if you go on, let's say you go on the GAPS diet for five years, which is two years too long anyway, but let's yeah. say you did it for five years, right? And you're still having problems. Well, if you never addressed the root cause, which was the black mold in your basement and, um, you know, your neighbor's carcinogenic car shop, whatever. Or you're using chemical cleaners all the time. Chemical cleaners, or you're literally slathering junk on your skin every day. Yeah. You're not dealing with these root causes that are unique to you. It doesn't matter what you eat. I mean, it does. Right. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, don't expect that food to get you out of your boat. You have to address these root causes before your hard work on food comes into play. For some people, it's chronic vitamin D deficiency and you're not going outside and you know, you're not grounding and you're not doing all the things that you need mm-hmm. to do at the foundational core level. And you're literally just trying to build your house on a pile of sand. That It doesn't matter how expensive the building materials are if you're building on a pile of sand. Yeah, you got to be your own det- detective here. Yeah. And, some, and for people, it's um, EMFs. They can't see them. They don't know yeah. the Wi-Fi is attacking them and causing all these problems, but you have to understand, you have to learn about this stuff and understand so, that this could be it. And the kicker is nobody is actually, well, we are the experiment. And by we, I mean society. No scientific body has ever done a combined study of what happens when you feed, when you take a baby, a brand new baby, you feed it GMOs through the placenta of its parent and through um, the formula and all these things. And we take that baby and we cover it in chemical laden, you know, baby products. Right. No, are a problem. And we do this for years. And what happens when we put them in clothing covered in chemicals for years? Exactly. Yes. We use heavy chemical based detergents for years. And as they're growing up, we're feeding them literal trash ingredients. I have nothing against ice cream, pop tarts, you know, cookies, cake. I have nothing against those things. I think they're awesome. I think we need to be demanding from food manufacturers to use proper ingredients. There's no reason for flame retardants to be in food, but hey, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's stuff like that where no one's actually said, what happens when we take all this? Oh, and then we make all these crazy medical decisions and inject your kids with things that quite frankly, we don't really know what happens when we combine it with right? all these other things. <laughs> Amen, right? preach this, Here's yes. If we took a perfect science experiment and took you know, two twins, which of course is going to be unethical, and we subjected one twin to one thing and one twin not, you know, and had these great little experiments, maybe we'd know, but we don't know. And here's what's interesting. There was a documentary a few years ago um, where some scientists looked at foods in a grocery store and they were trying to say, you know, the thing is, is all these things don't matter. It's fine. It's no big deal. And they finally said, tell you what, we're going to look at the combined effect. Let's take this one food item and see what happens. Everything was fine. Okay, now let's take these five, which are commonly used together. Boom, the results happened. They were like, wait a second. Yeah. They actually weren't expecting those results, which was really funny to me because I expected them. And I'm like, that's what I've been saying for years now. Mm-hmm. No one's studying what happens when we take all these things and then we say, okay, we've done it from birth to age 18. What happened to you? Well, here's the yeah. We actually are. And what we're seeing is one in five has this, one in 10 has this, one in 13 has this, one in 40 has this, one in five has, one in three has, one in one. Like we're seeing all of these problems and everyone's accepting it as normal. Like, hold on, let's rewind 65 years. It's not normal. We're being told it's normal. Big pharma is pushing a pill for every ill. 
This is not normal. This is not normal. This is yeah. not normal. And the sooner people wake up and start understanding that this is not normal, the better off they will be. Again, I have nothing against fun food. I have nothing against every dessert in the dessert aisle. I have nothing against soda. I think you should make your own soda at home. I think you should get a soda stream. I think you should take regular old water. I think you should do the little boop, boop, little squirt thingy and make your own custom blend, which is what we do. My kids drink soda. They drink better mm-hmm. soda. My kids yeah. ice cream five times a week sometimes because it's organic and it's low in, you know, refined sugars and it's all this other stuff, you know, and that's really what it's about. If we don't vote with our dollars, our dollars will be dollars. taken from us. You yeah. know, it's... It's every doctor's appointment that you didn't think you needed. You know, it's that operation that, goodness, you know, what do they say? Something like 80% of cancers are preventable. Let that sink in. Preventable. Preventable. Yeah. And yet everybody's got a ribbon and everybody's got awareness and everybody's got somebody that they know that's been affected. And yet so much is preventable. And I think really what it comes down to is we as a society have allowed a small group of people to hijack all of us. They've hijacked our children. It starts in kindergarten with education. It starts with the fact that, you know, I am not. Well, look what they feed them in schools even. Exactly. Right. Like I am not into politics. And I also think the politics should totally be a personal decision. Everybody like getting on the internet, talking about their own, like, please stop, please. Right. Yeah. Those people don't even read the bills that come out and they just spout whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Here's the thing. At one point, um, I think it was Michelle Obama who tried to change school food and I only know about this because I read about it well after it happened, but she came out with like, let's, and I'm paraphrasing, but she came out with like, let's say 15 great standards and between big food and big pharma and big ag, they got those 15 standards and whittled them down to like two standards. And it's like, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. And that's the problem, Mm. right? You've got these companies and corporations, you know, look at Nestle, what they're doing to the water system, right? When we start removing the the veil that's over everyone's eyes. And we start looking at what these companies are doing and have been doing for 40 or 50 years. You kind of go, oh, but you have to care enough to remove the veil. And the thing is, is most people are just too comfortable to care. They're just like, well, yeah, Frito Lays. And they I do like because because the MSGs, it's so hyper palatable. It's this excitogen in our brain. And once you take out that kind of stuff, does it taste as good anymore? You know, that's yeah. one question people have. And then the big the big companies are like, but this is the cheap stuff. This is how I make the most money and they love it. They keep buying it. So we are voting with our dollars. So people are, because you know, it's the system of non-educated and not caring. And this is what we're up against, you know? And it's not hurting enough. You know, that's the thing. Like if it hurts enough, I don't care if you're uneducated or if you don't care or whatever, once it hurts enough, you make a change. Like you'll get to the bottom of it. But for everybody else, if it's not hurting, they're too comfortable. They just don't care. It's not important. And it's you know, cheap, it's, right? It's the ads, right? It it goes back to the 50s. And I always tell people this. It started with World War II, right? Yeah. It broke up the family. We no longer had, you know, one parent at home, whereas the other parent went out and provided. Now we've got all this stuff we have to buy. Do you need the latest vacuum cleaner? Do you need yes. the latest toaster? Do you need the latest whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly you needed a two-income home. And so now we have kids on, hey, are you tired now that you've worked really hard to give us all your money? Buy these convenience foods. It goes right in the oven. Oh right? my gosh. And then we have- I talk about this all the time. Yes. We have Go on. kids growing up for an entire generation on convenience foods, foods mm-hmm. their grandparents never ate. And then we have all these sick people. And then it's, do you have pain in your knee? 
ask your doctor for this specific medication. So well, yeah, it quick, came from your right? little boxed food package crap. And that's the thing. It's like, it's one <laughs> big system designed yes. to kill you. And, and, you know, the thing is, is some people wake up, like people are waking up, just not enough of them and not fast enough. And, mm-hmm. and it's really a shame because at the end of the day, kids are suffering. And the more the kids are in these systems, the harder it is to break them out of it. Um, you know, but going back to your point, it doesn't taste good when I stop eating X, Y, Z. I think that is a very valid point that um, the easiest way to address it, and I know this sounds almost counterintuitive, sugar and fat. Fat is flavor. Sugar tastes good. Find better for you versions of sugar and fat and right. load it up, right? Yeah. You know, if it's date paste, eat it. If it's avocado smothered in coconut oil, covered with bacon, you know, eat it. Eat it. Like Ni- nitrogen free sure. bacon. Yeah, exactly. I got no nitrates. And they're like, better for you bacon, please and thank you. But yeah. bacon, right? Um, find your version of sugar and fat. That's yeah. obviously if you have a food allergy or whatever, uh, that's safe for you, but that tastes really good to you, that gives you that brain hit, that gives you that dopamine push. Find yes. what works for you and load up on it. Because once you do, the cravings for all the other stuff goes away. I promise. Mm-hmm, it really mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Um, when you, that's because I mean, the thing is, is the food industry are, has already proved us right. Because when you see low fat foods, guess what it's full of sugar, right? When yeah. They cut the fat sugar, out. They add the sugar in. Yeah. yeah. When when you see low sugar foods, I, what I, run, fat, I run from that right? stuff. Yeah. Sugar yep. and fat are the primary brain driving factors for us, you know? And when we look at the basic elements of food, that, that is what we need. We need sugar. We need, it's the same reason why I say kids should not be keto unless they have a medical condition, right? Keto was designed as a medical diet. And this idea of taking carbs away from children is asinine. Like kids mm-hmm. need carbs to function. Just mm-hmm. better for you carbs. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's the Give them a balanced diet. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's finding those things, you know, or if you're a sucker for brownies, make your brownies, but put stuff in them to, to boost them, put in mushroom powder, right? Do put some black bean brownies. Yeah. Freeze dried blueberries or yep. you know, use refined or split the sugar in half, right? Mm-hmm. Half white sugar that you're used to half, you know, maple sugar, right? Something totally. Yourself, exactly. Wean yourself off of the old systems. You know, we're yeah. not saying do it overnight. I think if you try to do it overnight, you're going to fail, right? Yeah. Right. Right. But if you do it smart, six months later, all of a sudden, you're way better off because of it. Like way better off. Yeah. And when you make your priorities into more healthier eating, you find you don't eat out as often. You're not going and spending all this extra money. I almost find that people balance it out money-wise when they figure it out. But when they don't figure it out, at first, it's like so expensive because they're still bringing in the junk and they're adding in the healthy. You know, They're still bringing in a lot of that stuff and eating out a ton. And then they, they're shopping at Whole Foods or wherever they shop and they're spending a lot of money. So a lot of times I hear, how do I do this on a budget? We got to show them how to do it on a budget, you know, how, how let's show. I, so I do videos on how to shop at Whole Foods on a budget, how to, how to do it, how to have meal plan, you know, a meal prep. But this sounds awesome where they can go straight to your website. This raise membership is what you're yeah. talking about. They can just put in and then they get the recipe right out. Right. Yeah. So you plug in um, what you cannot have and, so what's really cool is if you're not a member, you can still use the search engine and just look at it for ideas. If you're a member, you get access to all the recipes and then there's even more stuff. There's um, safe product guides, meal plans, meal shopping. Um, just there's literally over a thousand resources on the website. It's almost too mm-hmm. much to, to tell you about in two seconds. Yeah. But um, Well, can you give us the website at least? And we'll... Yeah. So if you go to goraise.net or visit theallergychef.com, either way, you'll find it. And... Um, it's just really cool. It's a cool platform. 
Okay. And, and we if also people... have resources for the newly diagnosed as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is, yeah, I actually went to your page and it said, have you recently been diagnosed? You click right there and it's, yeah, it's right there. There's a whole system and, and that's actually a whole free program that we've set up and um, we give you resources and a three-day recipe guide on things you can do like right now. Um, there's a webinar that you can attend where we talk about how to read labels and, you know, how to do all the things that honestly you don't know how to do because you just got diagnosed. So yeah. um, it doesn't really matter where you are on your journey. We have something for you. Like we are meeting you where you're at. Oh, you are so cool. I'm so glad that we found each other because this is going to be a great referral for my clients to come and come and find you and get some help that way. So this is just amazing. Thank you so much. Um, are you on social media where they can maybe follow you on Instagram and Facebook? Yeah. So Instagram is the best place to follow us at the allergy chef. Um, great posts, great stories. Um, it's funny that we were talking about this today because today's stories are all about can dessert be good for you? Um, spoiler alert. Mm. Yes. Yes, it can be. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it's, um, a lot of great information that you can learn on that platform on Instagram at the allergy chef. Okay. And I did notice you have a YouTube channel, which has videos of, of recipes. Yeah. So youtube.com forward slash the allergy chef. I will say up front, we're not like taking huge care of it right now, but it's still got some cool resources there for people to enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So they're all going to come find you and follow you. Now, if you could leave my listeners with just one piece of advice today to get them started, what would you tell them? I would tell you my three steps for really like the newly diagnosed. And it applies to if you're taking on this journey as well, like, and you're new to it all. So number one, feel sorry for yourself. Grieve the loss. Because for mm -hmm. some people, food is like this real love language. It's a real connection. It's your grandma's favorite cookies. You know, it's the things that you don't want to give up. And it, it does feel almost like a death for some people. And I want yes. you to acknowledge that loss and grieve it. Then step two you're going to get something sweet. If you have a sweet tooth, you're going to find even it's as basic as a date, right? Um, or if you're into savory things, find something savory and basic. And you're going to eat it because you need to know right off the bat, restrictions don't mean boring, right? It doesn't mean the end of everything. And then the third step is to get busy doing, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, tap into these resources and start taking care of yourself. Because as soon as you do that, things change for the better. <sighs> Oh, good. That that was all so amazing. I love it so much. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for coming on today and giving all this my pleasure and this wisdom to my audience. They are just going to love this so much. So I really appreciate you. I wish we were neighbors because we could like, hey, do you want to make dinner? Like, I know. Yes. Time? I've just never been able to geek out with somebody as like intelligent as you when it comes to food. And this is so amazing. And I'm just diving into now nutrition labels and really getting the nitty gritty down, you know, of what not to look for and what to get out of your homes and systems. I've been a chemical free family for a while, but now it's like, let's really dive into these packaged foods and, and things that are on our box. And let's make sure we're not bringing them in anymore. Because that's well, how we vote with our dollars. Don't forget to read between the lines. Dude, there's a lot that's not on the label. Let me tell you, Heather, you and I are clearly going to have to like be besties and just like have chats all yes. the time now because <laughs> there's so much about food labels that we could talk about. Oh, mm -hmm. so much. It's yeah, crazy. like natural ingredients. How natural are they, right? They're not natural. So terms that are regulated versus terms that are not, right? Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, yeah. Heather. A whole nother podcast. Right? <laughs> so, we have like the next labels. 10 weeks planned out at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, for sure. All right. You're the best. Thank you so much. And we're going to get this out to our listeners as soon as possible. You're so amazing. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good day. You too. Okay, you guys, how cool is she? 
I just loved talking to Kathleen. She was so awesome. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast, as always, I want you to go over to wherever you're listening to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, go and rate and review the show. Your five-star reviews really help us get bumped up to the top. So other families who are looking for help and possibly if they have family members with food sensitivities or allergies, they can find this episode and they can get the help that they need. You'll be a hero. And as as always, if you want some more help from me, go over to healthcoachheather.com. I would love for you to go check out my website and see all the ways in which I can help support you in your mental and physical goals this year. Have a great day. Bye-bye.